we are going to start with the idea of safety and liberty. And are those two things really at odds with one another? Dr. Jack Russell Weinstein is a Chester Fritz Distinguished Professor of Philosophy at the University of North Dakota, and he joins us to talk about news stories from a philosophical perspective. Jack, thanks for joining us today. I'm happy to be here at a safe social distance. <laughs> and we wanted you on at the beginning of the school year as things like mask mandates and vaccines are even heavier in today's news on this discussion about safety and security. But I want to start with a philosophical definition of freedom. Well, actually, the thing about it is that Americans have a very, very particular and I think a little weird definition of freedom. For America, <laughs> freedom is being able to do whatever you want without any accountability, right? And any restriction on that, any law, any regulation, any, you know, the requirement to wear a, a, a hard hat at, at the job, that's considered a violation of freedom in the American system. And that's not only unique, it's also unattainable. Because all of our actions have to be balanced and all of our actions have repercussions. I lived in Vienna, Austria for a couple of years and they don't have the same kind of freedoms that we do, although there are a lot of freedoms and it's a free society. And I would walk home after playing my guitar at a gig at two o'clock in the morning with my headphones on uh, and have my guitar and I knew I wasn't going to be mugged. And I knew no one was going to hit me over the head. And my friends, women and men would walk at night and feel perfectly safe. That's freedom, too. The freedom to not be hit over the head, the freedom to not be mugged, the freedom to not get sick is a kind of freedom. And if you have that definition of freedom as it's just whatever I get to do, no matter what, without any repercussions, you're setting yourself up for a very, very narrow quality of life. Yeah, it strikes me that freedom is really more of a mindset. It is a mindset, right? I mean, they're definitely, right, Jean-Paul Sartre very famously said he was never more free than when he was in prison. Right. right? Because he got to choose his own values. He got to choose what uh, he found acceptable. But political freedom is necessarily a freedom that involves action. It involves interactions with other people. And so – we wouldn't say that a person in a fascist dictatorship is free if they liked the fascist dictatorship. There is something more objective, something more practical, something more physical and, re and realistic about what used to be called political liberty as opposed to freedom. Hmm. Yeah, it, maybe this is oversimplifying, but I'm thinking of just something as simple as one person who wants a job with a boss because they like the structure and they like the routine and they like the regular paycheck and somebody else thinks, no, I want this freedom to do what I want when I want to. I set my own rules. But somebody else might look at that and not feel very free. They feel like they have to be you know, constantly on this hamster wheel of I have to make everything happen. 
I think you're right. And I think that in a certain sense, individual freedom is contextual relative. You know, one of the one of the reasons why I like being a professor is that I can't have a boss. <laughs> I have too mm -hmm. much problem with authority. I like to criticize the people who are above me. You know, everyone who's used to listening to me on Prairie Public, you know what my personality is like. And, and, and that doesn't jibe well with hierarchy. Whereas other people, they don't they're not as comfortable making those kind of decisions, being responsible for everything. There's a wonderful movie in the 1980s called Moscow on the Hudson. Robin Williams in his first serious role, and he plays a, a Russian defector. And in, in one of my favorite scenes, he's in the grocery store after being in Russia and having to wait online for coffee and having to wait <laughs> online for toilet paper. <laughs> and he gets into the supermarket and he sees all the different brands of coffee and he starts reading them aloud, you know, Maxwell House, chock full of nuts, El Pico, and he faints. Yeah. Choice because paralysis. That kind of, that's right. That kind of freedom is unappealing to some and lots of people like working in an office environment because they don't want that kind of accountability. They don't want that kind of decision-making power. Mm. I don't want power over anyone else. I just want to be able to make decisions for myself. But again, political liberty is about the society as a whole and what we do when we interact with people in public spaces. I was... Uh, just on Monday, last Monday, I was at a concert, really, really big concert uh, at the Target Center in Minneapolis. And we thought everyone was going to be wearing masks. And, and the three of us were like the only people who were wearing masks. And there was something about that that took away our freedom because we could never fully relax. We could never fully trust the environment in the air around us. And so... Once you have a question of a, a collectivity or a group of people doing uh, a common activity, there have to be some rules and there have to be some regulations and public safety has to be the first regulation. Public safety has to be the first thing we consider, right? Think about all of the things that have gone into target field, the, the, the regulations about how to build the bleachers, the, the regulations on electricity and water and, and lighting and, sa and, and those sorts of safety things. We wouldn't want to put, I don't know what, 15, 20,000 people in a building if there was no oversight. That is, by the strictest American definition of freedom, a violation of our freedom, but it made the 15 or 20,000 people more free because they weren't going to die. So it's a, is this an ends justify this, the means kind of thing? It can be looked that way, absolutely, that some limitations on freedom are justified, again, if you define freedom in that very particularly American way. Hmm. But if what you define freedom as as flourishing, that's actually the, the classic definition of, of freedom, the classical Greek definition that has run along what gets called the Republican tradition. Uh, you see it in France. You see it in uh, other places. But – the idea is you're free if you can flourish. Mm -hmm. You're free if you can have the full human experience. And that means you have good food and clean water and uh, strong, um, you know, safe housing and education, right? If I am of the opinion that my students are more free after they're done with college than before they begin. Why? Because they know more about the world. Mm. They have a better understanding of how things go. They can make better decisions for themselves. They have uh, a more sense of agency and, and being an adult. And sure. 
if you define freedom as simply, you know, being able to flail your arms and do whatever you want, then education doesn't contribute to your freedom and it has nothing to do with the human experience. It just has to do with urges. You know, there's a fascinating book called Wildhood, and it talks about the adolescent phase of different species. And there's a famous study of salmon and three different groups of salmon before they go upstream to spawn. One has this perfectly idyllic childhood of there are no predators and they are just free to swim about. And then the second one, they're in a tank where the predators are in the tank, but there's a screen so they can sense their movement, they can smell them, but they never actually interact with predators. And then in the third tank, the salmon and the salmon's natural predators swim freely amongst one another. And then when the researchers release these salmon upstream to go spawn, well, you can probably guess who doesn't make it at all is the ones that had no interaction with, quote unquote, the real world. So I wonder, is that kind of more in line with what you're saying. I think that's right. And I think it's really useful to remind ourselves that human beings are animals and that like any kind of animal, we have uh, questions about the herd or the school in the case of fish, uh, uh, basic needs, but also the story you're telling recalls the story of Adam and Eve. You know, Adam and Eve are in paradise. Adam Mm. and Eve have everything taken care of them and they are not free. It's not just that they're not free because they're not supposed to eat from the, the tree of knowledge, the tree of good and evil, but they're also not free because they have no agency. They're, they're just like, they're just pets, which is actually one of the reasons why punishing them is is, is sort of a disproportionate response because <laughs> you don't kick out, you know, you don't kick out your dog if um, if he gets the steak on, 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 on the grill, right? You, you punish them for a little bit and then they forget. Once Adam and Eve are out there in the non-Eden world, they have the capacity to be more free, not because they can do anything they want, but because they can make decisions, they can learn, they mm. can grow, they can, they can choose. And so I really am reluctant to sort of embrace the idea that it's safety versus freedom, which is the way that the media right. frames the conversation right. Do now. they have to be at odds with one another? I don't think they are. I think safety is an essential component of freedom, right? My daughter is free because she has parents to protect her for when she makes mistakes, Hmm. right? That's part of what parents do, part of what um, a good boss does, part of what, you know, the the social net and healthcare does is protect people when they make mistakes. So if you are, you know, you don't have to be negligent to, to make a mistake on a highway. And if you, the, the other day I was driving and I sneezed and I actually swerved, right? Mm-hmm. And I've, I've never done that before. And it was terrifying. But imagine if there were a car next to me and I hit them. Should my life savings disappear because I sneezed? Should, um, should I, you know, if I, if I hurt myself or God forbid hurt someone else and I wasn't able to walk, should I no longer be able to go into buildings because there are no ramps and I need it for my wheelchair? Safety allows us to be free because it allows us to be imperfect. And that's the other part of the conversation that, that, 
that, that we miss in, in the public discourse, which is that part of what it means to be a human being is to be imperfect. And part of what freedom is, is the sense that you can't go so low that you will be destroyed by your imperfections. But when we bring this into this idea of mandates, whether it's a mask mandate or a vaccine mandate, there is a risk calculation that people can take. And if somebody is thinking, okay, I'm uh, in my mid-30s, I'm in good shape, I eat well, I don't interact with anybody in a high-risk category, uh, and you know, we already have a lot of vaccines and there is some evidence out there that suggests that, for example, exposure to different germs can boost your immune system. That's why kids on farms tend to have stronger immune systems than kids in cities. Should those people have to get a vaccine or have to wear a mask for the weakest of the rest of society? So, this is a public policy decision that in a free society has to be negotiated. But let me change the scenario just a little bit. I'm pretty athletic these days. I'm in pretty good shape. I think I have nice legs. Pardon me for saying this on the radio, but, you know, my wife thinks I have a nice butt. So why don't I leave the house without pants? You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to, you know, no one's going to look at me and say, ew, gross, or he needs to work out. I think it's safe for me to walk out of the house and take the risk because I have nice legs and apparently a nice butt. Well, we're going to say, no, we're going to mandate pants. <laughs> we're going to mandate pants because your neighbors don't want to see that because we have certain standards of decency and certain standards of acceptable behavior. We have those same sorts of things about driving on the right side of the road and, and obeying the green light and the red light. We have mandates up the wazoo, right? This is no different than any other mandate. It is the question of, is this behavior a serious and meaningful risk to the people around you and such a risk so that the minor level of freedom that you are uh, losing in the absolute definition of freedom is negligible. There is no more. There's in fact, <laughs> you lose less freedom uh, wearing a mask than you do wearing pants because, you know, pants are constricting. You know, I, I, I can't a do dress. Yeah, right. I mean, terrible. you know, and, and, and you do yoga and you know that with pants, you can't do a, a split or you can't do all sorts of things. You can do all that stuff in a mask. So, in fact, once you start looking at the mandates around us, if you want to do it as a calculus, um, then the wearing of the mask is a much smaller limitation of freedom than most of the other mandates we face every day. Well, let's talk about the slippery slope approach to that loss of freedom, though, because if you take a stone and you put it under a drip of water, pretty soon you're going to have a groove on that stone in a way that if you took the same stone and you dumped a cup of water on it, nothing's going to happen. But it's the repeated small uh, happenings that erase away that surface. Can that happen with our freedom? 
Well, first of all, let's remember that it took the Colorado River 100 million years to make the Grand Canyon. <laughs> so so it's not pretty soon that the, the groove comes in. It, it, it takes a long time. But I love the slippery slope question because slippery slope is not an argument. It's a fallacy. Hmm. What slippery slope says is once something happens, the next thing is inevitable. And that's not true. You know, I am married to my wife. That doesn't mean I'm going to eventually be married to all other people in the world. I can choose to stop at my wife. I have a bite of a cheeseburger. It doesn't mean I'm going to eat all of the cheeseburgers in the world. We stop all the time. And so the fact that we have a mask mandate doesn't mean we're going to be walking around, you know, in in robotic chip filled, you know, virtual reality suits controlled by, you know, the great spaghetti monster. Right. That's not how human beings work. Everything we do, we can do more of or we can stop. And so the argument for slippery slope, what has become a challenge is actually a very traditional fallacy because it doesn't follow that if one thing happens, the same thing happens over and over and over and over again. So is that then going back to this freedom is a mindset? If you adhere to this slippery slope way of thinking and that giving up any kind of freedom results in a complete loss of freedom, were you ever really free at all if you're constantly having to guard that? I don't necessarily think that freedom is a mindset. What I think is the value that we place on freedom as a mindset okay. and where we place it in the importance of our lives, our mindsets. Um, so if you are a political activist and completely devoted to, for whatever reason, the cause of challenging mask mandates, then the mask mandate is going to have a much more uh, significant impact on your life because you've chosen to center that in your life. But, you know, I started teaching uh, this past week and all of my students had masks and they didn't really care because what they were concerned about is the information and getting good grades and talking in class. So if you make the masks less important, then it's a less limitation on that value, on that mindset. Now, of course, someone like Sartre, again, Jean-Paul Sartre, will point out that you can do that about anything. You can decide to like fascism. Right. You can decide to in enjoy jail. Well, and you always say the only thing you actually have any control over is your own reaction. That's right. The only thing you have control over is yourself and the way you react to things. Uh, a couple therapists I know like to say you have um, 100 percent responsibility for your actions, 50 percent responsibility for your thoughts and zero percent responsibility for your feelings. And I think that that's very helpful because, yes, we could dislike that. I don't like wearing a mask. I have to lecture wearing a mask and it stinks. It's hard to I'm breathe. Constantly, it's, it's, it's harder to breathe. It's harder to talk. It's harder for them to hear me and it's constantly sliding off. And I don't want it to go under my nose because, A, it, then it doesn't work and, B, it's a bad, you know, role modeling for my students. But it stinks. But, you know, you know, sometimes you have to do something in your job that you don't like. And I like my job enough and I like teaching enough and I care about my students enough that I'm willing to make that minor sacrifice until such time when we don't need the masks anymore. So you can choose to make it a big deal and then it's a big deal. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Or you can choose it not to make choose it to be a small deal, and then it's a small deal. And that's one of the wonders of the democratic society is that we get to choose not only our leaders, but our way of life and the things that we value and are important. And ultimately, that's the true American freedom. The true American freedom is the ability to choose our way of life, our goals, our values, and what's important to us. And the conflict comes in when we are with people who have very different values, which is why the standard line in a democracy, uh, and this comes from John Stuart Mill, um, who who wasn't uh, American, who was English, but is is, is the core of the modern American philosophy. He says, it's called the harm principle. You are free to do anything you want up to the point that it harms someone else. The moment you harm someone else, the moment you limit someone else's freedom, then it becomes a public policy decision. And whether we like it or not, the, the pandemic harms people and therefore it's a public policy decision. We just have a couple of minutes left, but I wonder how much of this vaccine or mask mandate that is tied to a current issue, that is, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic, with people being so much more likely to have a strong reaction to a vaccine mandate about this, but not about having to get a polio vaccine for the kids to go to school. Is it just because this is new? Is this just a matter of some people don't like change? I don't think so. I think it's deeper than that in that it has become a matter of identity, right? It has become an issue of advertising your political opinions. Now, there's people on the far left who are anti-vax and anti-mandate for very, very liberal reasons. And there are people on the right who are uh, anti-vax and and, and anti-mandate for very, very reaction reasons. So you can't necessarily tell what political party someone is because they're against the mandate. But what you do know is that if they are opposed to these things, it's because they find something about this as advertising their identity, advertising their loyalties. Mm -hmm. It's a way of creating political activism. And that's, I think, the fundamental distinction. I think the people who are in favor of the mandate and the people who are in favor of masks or even reluctantly Uh, put on the masks um, are doing it for reasons of public safety. I think the people who are anti-mask and anti-mandate are doing it for political activism reasons. And that's one of the reasons why it's so hard to have a conversation between the two groups, because their intentions, their goals, their contexts are very, very different. One is about living together with other people, and one is about influencing the political process. And having a conversation that intertwines those two things is incredibly difficult. Just about 30 seconds left here, so I'm going to ask an enormous question. Uh, (laughs) What are the distinctions between freedom and free will? Very simply, uh, freedom is the word we now mean for a political liberty, which is our actions and our behaviors. Free will is mental freedom, the ability to make decisions, the ability to make choice. So we can have free will and not have political liberty, and we can have political liberty, and it may turn out that we don't have free will. But free will is the term for our human freedom in our existence of the world. And the word we're using, freedom now, which again is political liberty, means political freedoms and freedoms as an individual to act and engage in a certain way. 
Dr. Jack Russell Weinstein is a Chester Fritz Distinguished Professor of Philosophy at the University of North Dakota, and he joins us periodically for a philosopher's view on major news stories. Jack, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure as always.